welcome to Return to Ease, the show where we talk about different ways to live with more intention. Each week, we will discuss different ways to learn how to nourish our mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Rachel Pecora. I'm a licensed massage therapist and a John F. Barnes trained myofascial release therapist. I am passionate about living an authentic life and want to help you return to ease. Hi, everyone. Today, I have life and business coach Heather Hommel from the MFR Coach. Heather is a myofascial release therapist and a life coach and now coaches therapists to create the myofascial release business of their dreams. So welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Me too. It's so so good to have you. I have been a uh, past client of yours in coaching, and you have helped me clear up a lot of repeat thoughts that I've carried in my brain for lots of years uh, (laughs) about business and personal stuff. So, So some of my listeners may or may not be familiar with MFR. They may not be myofascial release therapists or even business owners, but I think the information that you teach in your coaching program is applicable to everyone's life. So I wanted to bring you on so that you could tell us a little bit about coaching and how that works. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to talk about all things MFR and coaching forever and a day. So you'll have to cut me off at a certain point. (laughs) I guess I could start kind of with like the training I've had. So not only am I a John Barnes trained expert level myofascial release therapist, I had my own business for over 10 years, um, helping people in chronic and acute pain to get back to active and pain-free lifestyles, which is what you do in your day job. Um, I went to the life coach school. It's ran by Brooke Castillo. I graduated from there in April of 2021. And, um, before I graduated, I kind of decided I wanted to work. I never wanted to be outside of the MFR community. So I just, uh, made a decision while I was still learning how to be a coach that I was going to be a coach for MFR therapists. I didn't really know what that looked like at the time, but it quickly became like, I'm going to help them with their businesses. And so that's, that's what I do now. Full time. I run a group coaching program for MFR therapists. Cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. I've been in the group coaching for a couple of rounds and I've done some one-on-one coaching with you and it has just helped me so much, not just with business, but everything. And honestly, I thought when I first started uh, coaching with you that you were just going to like give me a blueprint of how to start my business. Even though I had been self-employed for a couple of years by the time I started working with you, I still thought you were going to come in and say, hey, do all this stuff. And then this will get you from point A to point B. And then all of your wildest dreams will come true. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) And that was not how it was. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think that or think that's what they need in order to be successful in business. And honestly, like, I think even if you get a degree in business, you're still, you still don't know how to necessarily have a business. You might fundamentally know how make possibly businesses run, but nowhere in our training, like between massage therapy school and then myofascial release training, does someone say like, this is what you need to have in place. And this is, this is what you should charge. And this is how you should handle your clients. And this is how you should show up for yourself. Right. And we're just healers trying to make our way in the world, trying to help people. And at the same time, we then start overworking and under earning because we're not exactly sure what that should look like. And so this goes back to like having a blueprint. And we think if someone just tells us what to do, 
it'll be fine. We'll just do it and it should work out for us. But actually what happens is <laughs> everybody is different and everybody's business and their goals are so different. I could give you a blueprint that maybe works for you and maybe doesn't. It's like we're it's like a unique organism. So what I teach people is how do you want how do you become the person who can make decisions quickly and not beat yourself up about it if you have to circle back and make a new decision. And how do you keep moving forward in that? And how do you start to like really understand yourself? And one of the ways I do that is by teaching everybody the model, which is something I learned. It's like one of my tools that I learned in life coaching school. And it's basically like how the universe works. Like we have circumstances that happen. We don't have control over any of our circumstances, but we do have control of our thoughts. Circumstances trigger thoughts, thoughts trigger feelings, feelings trigger actions and actions ultimately lead to our results. So I teach you how to create thoughts or to at least be aware of your thoughts in the way where you can then kind of have control over what result you want, no matter what the circumstance is. So, um, yeah, so we start there. And I think that model is one of the keys to the universe like that, learning that, like I had no idea that other people were not responsible for my feelings. Like I yeah. was in my forties when I learned that. And I'm like, holy, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Like this just gives me so much freedom and so much um, room to change everything about how I react to other people in my life. Like really in regards to like family relationships that were keeping me prisoner. And like, I lived very like victimy and like, like an abuse victim from all these relationships. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm not experiencing any of that anymore. And it's so freeing. And because of that, like I am able to build a huge business and I'm able to help other people do the same thing. And and we just like recreate, recreate, recreate. It's really fun. Yeah. Fun to see people get it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because like our beliefs are just practice thoughts that we have like all the time. So it's just kind of like a repeat in our brain daily that we don't even necessarily, you know, know that's happening. And sometimes like we don't have to keep doing the same thing because we've always done it the same way. We can make a change at some point. And I think that's like a big part of what you've taught me was you helped me see the blind spots of like where I was thinking about things, not Mm -hmm. only in my business, but just in situations. And now I'm able to kind of pull back and like, look at them in a different light and say, Oh, well I can be a victim or I can think about it this way, or I can look at it this way and I can gather facts differently and just kind of create a different um, thought to to give me a different result. And it's, it's usually pretty helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. It's just having that awareness. It's it, it, and it works so well with myofascial release. So for like your Mm -hmm. clients that are listening or anyone who's just discovering you and they're like, what the hell is myofascial release? But like myofascial release is like the body's awareness. Like your body starts to become aware it, you know, your fascia remembers everything that's ever happened to it. But we, as humans, like we forget really quickly that we fell down the stairs last week and we hurt our shoulder. Like we just instantly, <laughs> right. you know, like once you start feeling better, you forget that happened yeah. or you forget how you hurt your shoulder. Like it's really crazy. But when you start to have myofascial release, you start to really get more awareness around the things that have happened to you, the things that you are experiencing over and over and over again, and that you're allowing into your life to be okay, like chronic pain and like not doing anything about it. Like, why is that okay? 
Why do we put ourselves last? You know, like just having these awarenesses. And then the same thing with coaching, like having someone else outside of you show you your brain, show you what the thoughts that you're having are creating, what the results are of that so that you have that awareness. And then you have a choice because when you have no awareness, whether in your body or outside of your, you know, in your brain, in your life, you don't have that choice to make change. You're just kind of a prisoner of whatever is going on. Yeah. And I think sometimes like when we back to kind of like hiring a coach or like clients that come to see me, they think that, you know, they're going to have this treatment or they're going to show up for coaching and you're going to fix them or I'm going to fix their chronic pain, but really they have to do the work. And, um, that part can be, I think, hard to shift out of the old paradigm of thinking that, you know, that there is an answer outside of us. Right. They just want, they want to pull up for that blueprint, right? Like, right. Yeah. I had this great conversation with some random woman that called, I still get, I haven't been in practice, practicing hands-on myofascial release since 2020. So it's almost 2023. Like we're getting, we're getting up there in the years now. And (laughs) so I had this woman reach out because she was looking for an MFR therapist and I talked to her for quite a while and it came out like, she was just like, oh, I've, you know, like, I really just don't have the time and shouldn't have to be doing these things. And I, and I just kind of like, like took a pause and I was like, why do you think you shouldn't have to attend to this? Or why do you think you shouldn't have this going on? Because you're a human and like, you're going to get hurt. You're going to have pain. Now is the exact time to take care of yourself. And thinking that you shouldn't have to do it is only going to keep you from getting what you want. So like, I was just like, wake up, (laughs) we're not doing this. You know, she was like, thank you so much. I just never thought about it that way. Like it just never occurred to me, you know, like that I should want to take care of this. It was just a very interesting conversation. And she's not the only one, like all of our clients think they shouldn't have to spend time on MFR. They shouldn't have to spend money on it. It should be going quicker, like We never have time and we never have money for something until we make the time and we decide to budget the money for it. That's just how it works. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, you know, I don't know how people, um, uh, can shift out of that thinking of maybe that they should try something, you know, uh, before it becomes like the problem. Like, how do you, how do you tell your clients, like you have to budget this time and you have to budget this, you know. Um, effort to take care of yourself. Well, I mean, people that coach with me learn how to have those hard conversations, learn how to overcome objections. And the only thing that's in the way of someone being a yes to MFR and being a no is a thought they're having in their brain that they shouldn't have to do it, that they can't afford it, that, that it should be faster, right? Like those are all just objections. It's all just story that they've made up in their mind to try to feel better about not doing it like to justify the reason to say no. So our job as MFR therapists is to be willing to have those really tough conversations and be like, do you know what you're saying no to? Do you know what you're deciding not to afford? Not in a way to disparage people because, you know, people get to make their own decisions ultimately over their bodies, but like in a way that just like helps them to question their story about, do you really not have the time for this? Because what if, you putting this off makes it so that like you can't enjoy your retirement or you can't run around with your grandkids or you can't sleep at night. Like what is the actual cost of that physically, emotionally, and financially? Yeah. And I don't think people really stop and start to add that up unless someone 
you know, was like, what do you think this costs you to not do it? Right. Do you think people are avoiding something when they, when they have those thoughts? Is it just a, a story that they've told themselves or is it practice thoughts that cause people to like, not well, it's probably how they do respond to anything they don't want to have to do, or they've somehow set a limit in their mind of what they can and can't afford. Yeah. And so like the automatic response is no, it's, it's almost always a no, right? The automatic is a no. I thought yeah. I, it's just fascinating because I was just getting my eyes checked today and I was um, buying glasses with dilated eyes. So I can't see it all, <laughs> but I, I have really good eye coverage right now. I have no idea what's happening, but I have like a, I'm double covered. So like I could get two pairs of glasses. So I was like, I'm going to get distance glasses for driving and a really big old pair of sunglasses. I, I want all the things on it. Right. And the lady, the lady's like, do you want this or this? And like, I found myself being like, I only want what's covered by my insurance. And then <laughs> like, which is like just our automatic response. Like we don't want to be talked into something that we don't want. And also I know nothing about all these different like lens choices and like materials and all the, I don't know anything about it. Right. And she was not really doing any work at all, any heavy lifting to help me explain. She was putting it all on me, which is fine. Like it's fine. But I had this talk with myself in that moment. Like, even if I got all the bells and whistles and everything, I was still going to pay less than the cost of the glasses because I have such good insurance coverage. So I was like, get all, get all of the things, right? Like you want the Cadillac sunglasses, you want all of the things. But like my whole point in saying, sharing this with you is like our automatic response is no, don't sell to me. Yeah. Like depending, right. But you can make, like, if she was like telling me all the benefits of all of the different things, instead of like, what does your insurance, like it became kind of an insurance conversation. If she would have sold it to me, like, wow, like you're basically getting these for free. What are all the extras you want? And like, this is what it looks like. If you get this extra or this extra, this is what this feature does. And this feature does, it would have become a really luxurious experience for me. And I would have really enjoyed it. I had to create yeah. that for myself. Cause I know how to do it. <laughs> right. But like that's our, also our job as MFR therapists is like creating that experience for our clients. And I'm sure you do a good job of this because we've worked together and I know you like, you're just awesome. And you're awesome therapist. Like we do this heavy lifting for our clients. Like we decide, um, how we can help them best. And we paint the picture for them. So it's easy for them to be like, yes, that is the painting I want. <laughs> this is the yeah. outcome and the results I want. Do you tell me how long it's going to take? Or you give me an estimate. Okay. I'm signed up for this. So yeah, that's yeah. No, that's a good analogy because I think like if you're going to the eye doctor, you don't want to be there anyway. You don't want to have to get glasses at all. You don't right. want to do X, Y, and Z, but like we do because we have to go to the doctor and we have to make sure our eyes are functioning. We need glasses so we can see the computer that we're on all the time or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we can mm -hmm. drive to place A and place B, but we don't really want to have to buy them, but we need them because we have a problem that we need glasses to correct or whatever. Yeah. So 
Yeah. I mean, I guess I could not get them right. But like, what is the cost of that to me? Like to the experience of my life, right? Like, I want to be able to have really, I had LASIK surgery when I was 21 while I'm in my Uh forties now. And like your eyes still age. So like, now I need some reading glasses and I need a little distance. It's like very minor, but to me, I'm used to having 2015 vision, which is better than perfect. So now that it's 2020 and 2025 and one eye, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm blind. Like I need these glasses. I want the experience of the crispy vision. Yeah. Yeah. My eye doctor told me the same thing that I just have very critical vision. Yeah. I like to see what I'm looking at. Yeah. I know. I like, I I have a very high expectation for my vision, for the clarity of my vision. Yes. Yes. Very crisp. Yeah. When you've seen it clearly, you only expect to see it clearly from there on out. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like when our, when we're not used to being in pain and then we're in pain. Yeah. Like that can be so frightening for people. And, you know, the regular accepted practices are go to physical therapy for six weeks or get a massage Yeah, and quit your bitching, right? Like you're not allowed to be like, actually, this isn't really like working out for me. What Mm -hmm. else can I do? Yeah. And unfortunately, our medical system isn't set up to be the first referral out to MFR. They're the first referral to physical therapy within their own company. So everybody like check that out. Like it's just a money making mechanism. Like we're going to refer you to all the other services where we can cash in your insurance. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the part. Yeah. (laughs) That's the red tape part. Yeah. So let me ask you another question. How do you think that our thoughts and the things that we're thinking about, like on a daily basis affect how we regulate our nervous system. Do you think that there's a connection there? Yeah, for sure. Because I think whatever you're thinking creates an actual physical feeling in your body, right? Which can then activate your nervous system for the good or for the bad. Um, I am a person that has a lot of anxiety, I would say, like, I just tend to run anxious. And I used to always have this thought, like, my kids were gonna die, like, they could be like, like, it's very dramatic, I know, or or my husband, like, if anyone was not in the house with me, like, they're probably on their way to their death. And this is like one of the first things I got help with, with in coaching that I never even like really thought that was a problem. I just thought like everybody thought that way. And that's, that's just like the way of the world. And so we started working with like, well, what if it's possible that they can go to activities and not die? Like, do you have to keep this vigilante like status, like if within your body, like, and does it prevent anything good or bad either way? So it was really just like unwinding that and like calm, like finding thoughts that would actually feel calming, that would calm down my nervous system. And I've been playing with this a lot lately because now I have two kids that drive, right? So you'd think that my anxiety would be worse. And it is sometimes, but I'm so on to myself now. Like my son just went on a trip to Milwaukee over the weekend and it was snowing and, you know, it was a five hour drive. And I only thought about it like two times which is pretty good. Cause it used to be, it would be like every second, like, Oh, I gotta Non-stop. be worried about him. I gotta be worried about him. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so much free. Like imagine what I then did during that time, instead of worrying, instead of being like completely activated, like I was much more engaged with the rest of my family. I was like, just enjoying my life instead of like waiting for a funeral. Right. Yeah. Like, that's so dramatic. 
Yeah. And, and legitimately, like some people don't have control over that. You know, you can have intrusive thoughts and that would be more appropriate for therapy versus coaching. Sure. So, you know, there's a definition <laughs> yeah. line there, but yeah. So for nervous system stuff, I think definitely we can, we can get activated. Like, you know, in your line of work, it would be like when clients don't cancel in the, pol- in the policy timeframe and you've got to like act on that policy. Like if you're not really secure and willing to feel kind of crappy, you're never going to enforce that policy. So clients are always going to cancel when they shouldn't. Um, and what else, like, what else is a good example of that? I guess like, you know, it's like bound, like holding boundaries, um, people pleasing, you know, if you're constantly saying yes to things in order to not feel bad, you don't actually not feel bad. You're not having that act you're not not having that activation. It just shows up in something different, like resentment for having to do the thing that you didn't want to do yeah. because you weren't willing to feel the discomfort of disappointing someone else. So you just disappoint yourself. Mm, that's the tough one. I've had to work on that a lot over, yeah, over the, the times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, work in progress. Well-practiced well thoughts in there. So they take a lot of uh, unpracticing and a new belief to go into yeah. those. But Well, we grow up like, I mean, I just remember in like preschool being told you hurt someone else's feelings and you had to apologize. Like you, you, it's ingrained in us that we're responsible for other people's feelings. And I just, anyone listening, like you're just not responsible for other people's feelings and people yeah. with managed minds understand that. And the more people we can get out in the world with a who can self-manage their minds, self-manage their nervous systems, like the more freedom there is to just show up as you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that, um, I know like a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of my clients, you know, they want to change, but I think that sometimes they feel stuck. They feel stuck on reaching their goals and a bit overwhelmed because they, they have really good intentions, but they feel like they need to be doing all of the things mm-hmm. to fix themselves. And sometimes it can be a lot to, you know, when you have a busy life and you're trying to manage all this stuff and they're, they're worried about, well, now I have to get in shape and I have to do this and I should be stretching and I should be foam rolling every day and I should go for walks, you know, all the time and I should be doing all these things and I should, should, should. And then mm-hmm. it becomes kind of a, a stuck cycle of shoulds shitting on yourself as I like to shitting call it. on yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It becomes an overwhelm, I think. And a, it becomes a lot of chaos in the brain. Yeah. Because it's like, if you can buffer with all of that chaos and like keep yourself distracted, then you actually don't have to do anything because you're so busy, like thinking about everything you have to do, you end up doing nothing. And then you just stay stuck. I yeah. would just encourage anyone especially like MFR patients, like just allow yourself to get the MFR, like start there, just allow yourself to get as many treatments as you can in as close together as you can for as long as you can. And then you'll know, like there'll be this moment where like your legs work, how they used to not work. Like your hip doesn't catch. You can, you know, do those exercises with your trainer that you had been, you know, having to put on hold. You can all of a sudden walk further without mm-hmm. assistance or without any ramifications. Like yeah. start there, like let that be enough. And then That's gradually, yeah. And then gradually, like you'll just, you'll do more because you feel better, but it's, it's like when you go on a diet and you, you're like, I'm going to go on a diet, but 
in order for it's like so black and white. <laughs> well, then I'm going to have to like go off gluten and sugar and caffeine and carbs, like all in one. Like how long do you think you can do that? Like probably maybe a few days. Right. And then you're all out. It's like, you're all either all in or you're all out. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that any of that really black and white thinking in anything is very healthy. I would agree. It's the same with exercising. You know, I, I like to use that analogy because I feel like it's so easy to relate to, but sometimes, you know, it always happens at the beginning of the year. Everybody goes to the gym at the yeah, beginning of the year. That? What's different? New year resolution. They ate all the food in December and they feel gross and they feel mm-hmm. guilty and they have all these thoughts about what they should have been doing throughout the year. So they rush to the gym and they go ham and they mm-hmm. get too much work in and they get sore and they start feeling like crap. They don't have a plan. They don't have any guidance. And then they, they feel defeated because they've put all this effort into the thought of going, but now it's just overwhelming. And so most people give up because it's easier to quit than to maintain that high level of activity when they weren't used to doing that before, or they get injured. (laughs) Right. Or they get injured or that. Yeah. It's like, why can't just like the basics be enough? Like, what if you, like, you just started by going once a week and then you, you know, and you do that for a month and now you're going to go twice a week. Like, and you're just like, why isn't it okay to be gradual? I don't, I'll never understand that, but I've, I mean, I've been working out in this one gym specifically like for a year now and I go three or four times a week. I'm not someone that identifies as someone who loves to work out, but I've decided that I love the results of working out enough that I'm committed to it. Right. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to all these January assholes. Like, no, like, don't do that. Stay out of my gym. (laughs) Yeah. You're only going to be there for like a month. Yeah. I mean, I'll tolerate you guys till February, I guess. But like, but what if you, what if you had the same kind of attitude where you were like, I'm doing this for the greater purpose of the result I get when I've become the person that can do this three or four times a week, no matter what, not dependent on if I feel like it or not, because most of the time I don't feel like it. Right. But I've been able, and this is really like, this is part of the thought work that I do. Everything I do in my life now is a result of the thought work I've done or the thought work I did like a year ago or six months ago. Cause I worked out with a trainer and during COVID too. And I got to a point where I just was like burnt out and I was like, I'm just not doing it anymore. And then I took almost a year off because I burnt myself out versus like, mm-hmm. why am I here? What am I doing? What, how do I need to communicate better? And now like, I just have told my trainer, I'm like, I mean, the only way I work out is with a trainer. So it costs me a lot of money. So I'm not missing those (laughs) sessions. I won't go on my own. Like, so I just know that about myself and I have to budget for it. But I told my trainer, I'm like, you know what? I freaking hate working out. Like, I don't like anything about this. I don't even want to be here. (laughs) You know, she's like, I know, but you're here. So like, we might as well, we might as well do it. And by the end, I'm like, I'm so glad I, I did it. And I'm so glad I've set myself up for that accountability. Cause I know that I need it. I'm not, I'm not able to do it myself and I choose not to. So I've like relinquished that pressure of, yeah. and the shame around like not being able to keep myself accountable. Like it's not true that I can't keep myself accountable. I just found how it works. Right. Like, so I hire someone for that accountability and like, I want that direct training. I want the results from that. So yeah, I just, you have to figure out what works for you and not stay stuck in 
victim mode of like, oh, I can't figure it out because you can. Like, what do you need in order to be successful? Make a list. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most people are really smart. They really know how to figure stuff out. They just have to think about it a little bit harder. And Mm -hmm. kind of back to like what you were saying, um, back in September, I went to Pennsylvania for a T for T. So I had my therapy for therapist program and for clients or people that don't know what that is. It's a intensive, um, body work treatment where we get like 15 hours of, um, myofascial release in a week. And let me tell you, it sucked. It was awful. Yeah. And I was so excited to go, but it sucked. I was miserable. Like it was not the experience that I was expecting. I went in thinking certain things were going to happen and they didn't. And other things happened that I didn't expect. And I was miserable. I mean, there was days I was vomiting like a lot. There were days that I had the worst headache of my life. And I thought, this is probably how I die. I'm sure this is, I'm probably dying. And this is what I do for a living. Like what is even happening? (laughs) Right. And I've had lots of body work done and I had never felt as bad as I did this week. And I'm like, I don't even want to go back, but I've paid a ton of money to be here. Yeah. You're like, I'm going back for more vomit. It's fine. (laughs) I'm going back, but I don't want to be there. And the therapist would ask me how I was doing. I'm like, I feel terrible. Terrible. Like, yeah. Don't ask me how I'm doing. Feel good. (laughs) And it was awful. And I could not wait for it to be over. But the results were awesome. I feel. I still feel really good in my body. I Mm -hmm. got rid of so many issues that I had going on that I didn't even really know were an issue, but they were just like peeled back over time. And so I'm really glad I stuck with it. It, mm-hmm. it was not encouraging to be there because I felt like complete ass, but yeah. the results were definitely worth right. it. So, Well, and that's the thing, like for people listening, you want the MFR therapist that goes and gets the treatment that know, that knows this journey, that knows how hard it can be. And, you know, not, you guys don't all have to be throwing up in order for this to be worth your money, but <laughs> to no. be able to be treated by a therapist that's willing to walk walk through that run towards you're like running towards the fire, right? You're like, this is great. Catch me on fire too. This will be great. Let me see what it's like, (laughs) but your level to like your ability to relate to your clients is so much better than that therapist that just only goes to seminars. Doesn't has never had a healing crisis. Doesn't really know what's going on, you know, because they don't have the time to go through what, what you've gone through. And I can tell you, I've done many a T for T and double skill enhancements. And like, I understand. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not always pleasant, but like we have to go through some of those things to really get it processed out of us so that it's no longer part of our tissue and creating damage, like creating chronic migraines and creating chronic pelvic pain and all of the things that can be going on that we just decide are like, that's fine. I just have that. Or this is part of old age, or this is just like, I've just always had this. So this is just my lot in life. Cause chances yeah. are like, what would your life be like if that wasn't the lot you decided that you had? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I felt like I learned a lot about my thoughts too, with getting all of that work done as well. Like I had weird thoughts that came like different light was shed on thoughts that I've had for a long time. And I was able to like, look at some of my pain and see a different angle of it. And like, Oh, this is what that pain is. 
Yeah. It's, it's a part of something I'm thinking about on a regular basis. And it was interesting to make that connection because I hadn't made that kind of, I'd made that connection with some parts of myofascial release, but this, it was very profound. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is so Can you like share what it, what you were thinking and like what, how that showed up in your body? Yeah. So I was having a lot of hip pain that had been going on for a almost uh, almost two years at that point. Mm-hmm. And I can remember getting treatment and, you know, they were working on other areas, you know, unrelated to my hip necessarily. And then I had a moment where I think a therapist left and then another therapist came in and I was laying on the table, just like stewing in my own shit. <laughs> and I realized that that pain that I was feeling in my hip was related to my inner child. Mm. And yeah. so there was this connection because I'd, I've been doing a lot of like inner, inner shadow work and a lot mm-hmm. of inner child work. And, you know, I, I know that the inner child quote unquote comes out in certain ways, but I had never had it manifest as physical pain. And yeah. so just to have that awareness in my body of like, this is what my inner child, it, she's asking for something and I'm not listening. So mm. it's coming up as the same repeat pattern until I deal with the feeling or the thoughts that's underneath it. So like sometimes even now it'll like twinge occasionally, I'll get this like weird feeling. And it's not like, it's not like real pain. It's like this internal thing. And it's like, what the heck is that? And I go, Oh, it's my inner child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I have that connection. And then like, it goes away. It's so weird because it's just like bringing that awareness to it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. I think that's cool. I was taking a shower today. Speaking of inner (laughs) children. I have no idea why this came up in the shower, but like, I all of a sudden like had this really like home homesick feeling. And I remember when I was probably like four or five, one of my cousins, like she was older than me, like five, five or seven years older than me died. And my mom had to, and I barely knew her. She was like a distant cousin. Um, but it was really like hard for me to understand. And my mom had to fly to the funeral. Right. And so I remember that day and like, I just had this like very, it's like, I was like reliving that moment. Cause like, I remember that day I was looking up towards the sky because someone must've said my mom was in a jet. And so I was like thinking that she was in like a, like top gun jet, like with the fighter pilot, you know, like, like yeah. my little brain was trying to like get its head wrapped around, like the part where my mom flew in a jet to go to this funeral and my cousin died. And like, And that's all the details I knew. And it seems so scary. Like that's been living in my body. And like, I just had that, had that visceral experience in the shower of like how that felt to me as a little kid. Right. Mm -hmm. I took a moment instead of just being like, that's crazy to be like, oh, something, you know, like this is okay. Like, and what is the feeling in my body? And like, what am I thinking? Right. And it was like this feeling of like, um, hard to explain, but it's like, yeah, I think it was like homesickness or like sadness, like very, very deep sadness and confusion. Mm-hmm. They're just something I hadn't ever processed before since I was little. I think yeah. I was maybe five when that happened. And you likely have been carrying that around like your whole adult life because yeah. it's still there, obviously, but you yeah. just never knew what it was or didn't know how to deal with it. So maybe you've always had that little feeling in your stomach, but you didn't know what that was attached to. Yeah. And I don't really have to figure it out. Like it's okay. Like I'm like, I just had that moment. I could spend as much time or as little time on that as I need to. It's fine either way. 
just, it's kind of cool to, to make those connections. And Mm -hmm. I think that body work and thought work go so well together. So like learning the two just kind of really, it's changed my life. I mean, it's changed my thought process and how I, how I kind of present to the world. I said, how you experience your life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting because I kind of wonder what I would be doing today had I not had coaching for like an entire year. So yeah, yeah, I'd probably still be stewing in my own shit. Right. Yeah. I definitely would be, I would probably be in fights with lots of people and like real angry. They'll be really angry and like not have very much money. Yeah. Everything would be a struggle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you another question. Um, What do you think some, uh, what are some daily practices that people could implement to, to maybe help them live with more intention in their lives so they can get out of that kind of um, thought process, maybe old thought patterns? Are there anything that you do daily that would be helpful? Yeah. My biggest recommendation is to do what I call a thought download, which I learned from Brooke Castillo. So you just basically write down everything you're thinking and you don't, you don't make it flowery. You're not journaling. Like it is a brain dump and the, and just doing that every day could change your life because you cannot actually see or really be aware of the thoughts you're having without writing them down. If we could do this inside ourselves, we would all be like, so mentally healthy. (laughs) Yeah. And we're not like, it's all, it's a big shit show out in the world. So, and people are really miserable. Yeah. So just for like five minutes, just writing down everything, everything and not making it pretty. And then just looking at that and being like this sentence, when I think this that sentence, I feel this way. People's literacy with feelings and like how something feels to them is really low. So if you can expand your literacy in feeling emotions and like outside of happy, sad, angry, excited, <laughs> right? Like, yeah which one of these is bringing you joy? Which one of these is devastating? Which one of these is depressing? Which one of these makes you feel shameful? And then really looking at it, sometimes once you have got those thoughts out and you can identify which ones are creating shameful experiences for you, then you get to be aware of it and just be like, oh, like all day long, I'm thinking that everybody hates me. All day long, all I'm thinking is how sucky I am. Like that sucks, <laughs> you know, like that's maybe yeah. 10% less of that. Or like, is no. there room for people to like you? Is there room for you to, you know, experience joy anywhere in there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You don't know what kind of cesspool you have going on in your mind until you put it on paper. You're right. I do it almost every day. In fact, I have like a, a timer or a, a reminder on my phone that goes off every day to do brain dumps because a lot of times, you know, like, oh, I'll do that later. And yeah. a lot of times I don't maybe always do it every day, but most yeah. days I do do it. That's and it's, it's interesting to like look back a year ago and see what I was thinking about and how much despair I had or maybe how positive I was thinking or whatever was going on at that circumstance a year ago. And to see like, oh my gosh, I was so worried about whatever. Yeah. And now it's not so bad or I've, I've changed it or maybe I'm still working on it because sometimes it's it's still a work in progress. But um, even like I've gone back and I looked at 
stuff from, I don't know, a year ago where I was having hip pain and I was like, oh, this hip pain is awful and I'm never going to get rid of it. And I suck. And, you know, I'm just going through all the things. I just deserve it. Like I must've done something to deserve this and all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, it's just wild to me what, what our brains hold. And like, we don't even realize it because we're just thinking it and it's like yeah, oh, we're so- just we just basically beat the shit out of ourselves like yeah. all day long yeah. and then we're like why do I feel so bad why am I so tired I don't know <laughs> yeah it's all these terrible thoughts and a lot of times once I get it out of my brain it's like it's just gone like I don't yeah. really don't you don't to have to do it. a lot of yeah there's not a lot once you have it out there's not a lot you have to do with it it's like those yeah. thoughts that you want to purposefully change or like that you can see is really creating a problem for you and you feel stuck in it. Like that's when you can get more coaching on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned to be able to change my thoughts on some of them and think different thoughts that are like, okay, well that's not actually true. So Mm -hmm. I'll think a thought that maybe is more aligned with, you know, with what I actually do feel or, you know, whatever. So Yeah. yeah, I think, I think that's really good info. Yeah. You can really change like your perspective of any interaction going on. I just recently was having this interaction with some family members and we have some stuff going on and I was getting like super pissed at everybody. And like, so I just did a thought download because I was like, I really want to be able to sleep. Like, I don't like, I don't want to be this worked up. (laughs) I don't appreciate being this worked up. Right. And so I just did a brain dump. And like, at the end, I wrote a sentence that said, I'm doing the best I can. And so is everybody else. So then I was like, everybody is doing the best they can. And while I'm sitting here judging everybody's best against mine, and then, you know, I was like, and I'm, and I'm judging everybody and that's creating pain for me. When I circle back to the thought, everybody's doing their best. It just like calms me down and I quit judging them, which is also creating like a not so good feeling for me. Yeah. And it's and okay a million for, other thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay for me to not think that their best is good enough. But when I remember that they're actually doing their that's their best, like I can't expect more out of them either. Right. And that's okay. Like I'm not doing it in a way to put them down. It's just like the the whole mood and flavor of that changes from like yeah. they should be doing this. I'm very justified, right? To like, oh yeah, it's their best, Karen. They're doing their best. Yeah. Yeah. That's the capacity they have at the moment. That's and their capacity. Yeah. And I can't argue with it. Yeah. It is. Just have to meet them where they're at. So mm-hmm. no, I think that's really, really good advice. Like I will, I will use that because try it, try it in a sentence. <laughs> some today. days, some days are a little, mm-hmm. little challenging. Not yeah. every day is, is I love it butter. when I can find like some sort of catch thought like that, that really helps. It used to be thinking that these same people were cute and adorable. And I was like, that is not working because this is not cute or adorable. I'm like, but they're doing their best. So that's helpful. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, good info. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad we could chat today. Yeah, me too. Um, Do you have anything else that you would like to share today? Well, I would just recommend like for anyone that's interested in more information on, on thought work or on the model, they can definitely check out, um, Brooke Castillo's podcast is, um, I think it's called the life. Let's see. Called. Why don't I know this? (laughs) I want to say, I want to say it's called the life coach school podcast, but like I, I, yeah, it is. It's the life coach school podcast. Um, 
she's got great, like she's the inventor of this, right? So she has yeah. much more to say about it than I do. And she has like over 400 episodes. So she has a oh, lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I would recommend going there. And then if anyone is interested in like my podcast, the MFR coaches podcast, you can find that on any, um, any of your favorite platforms for podcasts. Okay. Yeah. You have a great, uh, great podcast. I listen to it every week. You're and Rachel's been on it probably more times than anyone else. <laughs> I think you've been on it. We have a lot like, to talk about. Have you been on it three times? I think maybe it's, yeah. it's a couple. I'll probably have two. you on there again too. <laughs> You have a coaching program starting soon. What is it next? The end of next month? Gosh, in January. Yeah. So we'll enroll again, um, January 23rd through the 28th and then coaching will start February 7th. Yeah. Okay. So for my listeners that are myofascial release therapists and they're interested in working with you, where can they find your info? So they can get on my waiting list, which puts them on my email list at um, www.themfrcoach backslash waitlist. Um, to read just my sales page, you could just go to themfrcoach.com and you can follow me on social media at the MFR Coach on Instagram and the MFR Coach on Facebook. Awesome. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes below. And yeah, thank you again for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So fun to see you rocking it out. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll catch up soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Return to Ease. Before you go, show some love for this podcast by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned for the next episode. 